Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Rodney here with you. So happy to gather. Uh, Ville Church, just thank you so much for um, your prayers and for tuning in and staying together and encouraging one another. Uh, it's so helpful. Love seeing all the comments on the Facebook posts. Um, you know, my prayer during this time is that this would be a time of growth for you, a time of encouragement, um, even through difficult times. And that's why we've been in this uh, sort of uh, time frame of what can we believe about God? What can we learn about God to be able to trust him more with our very lives, right? And we've been going through this time. And last time we talked about, you know, under the umbrella of providence that God is uh, holds all things together. For example, the chair that you sit on, everything, all the particles that make up that chair, the reason why it's still standing is because God holds that together. He also not just holds things together, but he also sustains things. And so I just pray that he's holding you together, he's sustaining you, and that you could see it in your life. Uh, we're going to look at some more of these truths to help us grow in our confidence and our trust in God. Always, obviously, that comes not by trying harder and doing better, but basically by the power of the Holy Spirit working through His Word. Let's pray this morning. I want to pray for you and myself this morning. So, Father, I just pray this morning that you'll take me, um, a sinner that really needs your help, that I, I'm depending on you to do this morning what I can't do on my own. Um, as I pray and I prepare, there's so much that goes through my mind, and I want to just give that all out in a nice, neat, and orderly fashion. And I want for people to understand. But that's me and what I do, Lord, and what I want. But I know your desire, God, is what's going to happen this morning. And that apart from you, I can't do it. And there's nothing in life that I can do. And I just pray that um, all of us that are listening this morning, that are here together, that our hearts would be opened by you and that you would bring your peace and your joy and your wisdom. God, that we walk away knowing that we've connected with you, that we've understood you that much more, that you would grow our faith through this because you said, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word, Lord. So I pray for that. I pray for the very needs that are going on, the real tangible needs where people are in situations where it is difficult and they're going through a storm, that you would be present in that storm, but that they would see that you're just not in the storm, but you're over it. And I pray that uh, they will see that you have a plan and a purpose and it's not for nothing. This morning, lead us in this word in Jesus name. So like I said last week, you know, we talked about God ruling uh, I mean, God holding things together and that God sustains. He causes, you know, the rain to fall in order for uh, grass to grow and animals to feed on. But he just doesn't do that. He also is over it. He rules over it. And that's what we want to look at today is that God rules over all things. Now, there is an opposing belief um, that people believe that the things that happen in life, especially when it comes to catastrophes, that it's random. It's left up to chance, luck, fate, whatever you want to call it. And uh, for example, you take a hurricane that starts offshore and um, what makes it turn into a category or to a level that would come 
on shore and destroy anything in its path. Or maybe lightning strikes in a forest and it starts a forest fire. What would cause it to go one direction where there's no houses or no people versus a direction where there's a town and houses and people can, can uh, their lives are at stake and, and pass from that. What causes that? Well, people would say that nature in itself uh, has no moral, no morals at all. There's no morality to nature, right? And so therefore it's just random. It just, who knows what happens. And what it does, it takes God and removes him from the picture and puts him in a place as if he is not in control and it's all by chance. Now, that idea about nature is not just about nature, but they also even say it about our very own lives. It makes God out to be impotent, out of power, uh, and out of control, without power and out of control. Sometimes, even in the Christian world, we will tend to want to comfort others and also somehow protect God's name by saying when something tragic happens to someone and they go through a deep suffering, that um, God had nothing to do with that. You know, I think I've even found myself saying that at times. And it's because I don't want God to get a bad name and I also want them to be comforted, those that believe. But the thing is, is that what we're doing is we're actually removing God's very own um, uh, power and authority over all things when we say that. And this is an old um, teaching that's a false teaching called deism. That there is a God that is somewhere out there far away, but he leaves us up to our very own devices, man's devices, and to the laws of nature. For example, again, um, in good effort, we'll say, you know, God had nothing to do with whatever tragic event that happened. And, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to comfort someone, but we must comfort people with the truth. And sometimes it's just a matter of just saying, hey, I'm here with you in this pain and this suffering. But let's look at what God's word says when it comes to things that happen in life. Matthew 10, 29 to 31 says this, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? That's saying that the value of the sparrows is not that much when it comes to the market. And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value of more value than many sparrows. So we see right here that not even a bird, that, that Jesus is making an analogy that we could say doesn't have uh, much financial um, value in the sense, if they're of real low value, how much more are we valued? So therefore, when something tragic or something difficult happens to us in our lives or to someone we're thinking that God does not know or God is not in charge or God's not have nothing to, to do with that. It, it goes past him. Well, the Bible says that not even the birds fall from the sky to die without God knowing. And yet in our most impactful events that bring such pain and sorrow, God has nothing to do with it is what deism would, would, would teach. But if it's not good for birds to die, God thinks much more of all the tragedies that we, we go through. So with deism, our suffering is meaningless. It's meaningless with, when it comes to deism. But let's take a look at God's very own holy word and what he says about himself. First Chronicles 29.12. It says, Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. 
Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Underline and look out for what it says, for you rule over everything. Everything means everything. Not only the good things, not just some things, but everything, even the bad things. Timothy 6.15 says it this way, which God will bring about in his own time, God, the blessed and only ruler, King of kings and Lord of lords. Again, underline only ruler. He's the only one that is in charge. And then it goes on to say he's the King of kings, in other words, above everyone else, and the Lord of lords above everyone else. No one else is in charge. Now, all things that happen in life have been permitted by God. And no one and nothing can do something outside of God's sovereign will or against it. Let me say that again. All things that happen in life are permitted by God. All things. And there's nothing that someone can do that can um, do something against his will or outside of his sovereign will. Now, so this brings much comfort when it comes to whatever suffering and tragedy or pain you have experience because it's not random chance or fate and it did not get past God now the problem is this here's the problem is that we cannot see the rule and the reign of God we can't see this right we don't see the beginning to the end we don't see all the ins and outs of everything working sometimes we're able to get a glimpse of of times in our life where we see how things worked out but there are times that there are things that happen that we do not get to see. And we do not see all the details and how he's working every detail. So if we cannot see it, then it keeps us from understanding it. Isaiah 55, 9 says it this way. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So if something is higher, we're not able to see it, right? We see at one level. Right now, as I'm looking out, I only see at one level. I cannot see higher than what I'm looking at right now. And it's very hard to understand something if you don't see it, right? There's a breakdown there. And so because we don't understand and we can't see, then we think for God. Jerry Bridges says it this way. Quote, he does not act as we think he should. End quote. He does not act as we think he should. So there's that part where, because we don't understand it, we don't see it, we're also thinking he's not acting as we think he should in this situation. Why do we think that what he does not act as we think he should? Why do we do that? We're a misunderstanding of God's love. So why do we do that? Why do we think that he's not doing what he as we think he should? Well, God says that he is love. God is love. And not just that he is love, but that he also loves us. And we think because he loves us, he should act a certain way. Now, the problem, the root of the problem is this, is that we think that because he loves us, he will, we will be, his love will protect us from pain and suffering. Because he loves us, automatically we go to the end result saying that God will protect us. But the truth is that he will not always protect us 
from pain and suffering. Yeah, there are some times we can see and we've experienced where God has protected us from some type of pain and suffering. But just because he loves us doesn't mean he will protect us from all pain and suffering. But rest assured that even though he does not protect us from all pain and suffering, he is our protector in the pain and in the suffering. He's the one that's there for us in the storm. Second uh, Corinthians 4.9 says it this way, persecuted, but not forsaken. There you go. He's with us. Struck down, but not destroyed. See, no one can ultimately destroy us. So again, as Jerry Bridges says, he does not act as we think he would. And then he also says this quote, we conclude, since, since he doesn't act the way we think he should, we conclude that he cannot act as we think he would. Now, God says that he works out all things for the good, right? God has, says he has good plans for us. And somehow we think, because we don't understand it, that he's not going to act as we know we think he would act. And we hold that against him. And in other words, we basically pronounce judgment on God. Yes, the creation, us, we're the creation. He is the creator. You will not act as you would. Can you imagine that? I mean, we didn't create ourselves. We can put our skin together, our eyebrows, our hair, right? Our arms, our legs. We couldn't make it rain, right? We could make all these animals, but we're telling God, the creator, that you will not act as we think you would. And we're pronouncing that judgment. Now, I want to share a personal story of some pain and suffering that I've seen and I've gone through. When I was 16 years old, um, I went to work on, in the summer for a construction company. And in that construction company, there was a, a man named Mark. Um, very nice guy, uh, great guy, happy-go-lucky guy, uh, lit up the room where, whenever you went, walked in. And you just felt good and comfortable around him uh, all the time. And I worked for him. It was great to work for. Um, back then, you know, he was probably in his, his mid-30s. I was uh, 16 years old, 17 years old, and I'd worked the summer. I, I met his two children. They were really young then. Um, he had his wife that he was married to, lived uh, close by, actually ended up being a neighbor. And um, there was a time that he took me up in his plane and he allowed me to fly his plane. Um, he told me about the stories of him being a, a, a guy that would um, was on the stock exchange, you know, a, a live broker or whatever they're called when they trade stocks live in Chicago, became a millionaire at, at age like 21 or 22 years old. And um, he had bought a plane. That was the plane that we were, we were flying. So anyways, um, 20 years later, fast forward, I'm at a diner there in Santa Fe, local diner called The Pantry. Now they're known for like the greatest uh, green chili uh, breakfast burritos. If you ever go to Santa Fe, eat one. You'll never eat one like that. And I know that's maybe a little foreign what a green chili uh, burrito is. But anyways, one day maybe we'll make some for you, me and my wife. But you'll never eat something like that unless you go there or one of us makes them. Anyways, long story short, there's this long diner like an old diner would have. It's been there since the 60s. And I'm sitting there. He's sitting there. We see each other. We begin to catch up. It's been a while since we've talked. And I had mentioned to him a hard time I had just recently gone through. And um, I shared a little bit about experiencing some depression. Well, anyways, long story short, he starts to share that he is going through that. Um, right now, currently in his life, he was divorced. 
Um, his kids are now a little bit older. They live mostly with him. Um, as time goes on, we just talked about, you know, what he was feeling and going through, and it was just a really, really difficult time. And so we connected. I began to just, uh, um, you know, rebuild that friendship. And I think I invited him to church or Bible study or something. But anyways, one way or another, we just started uh, chopping up about Jesus and he ends up coming to Christ. Now he had been on medication for a long time, for a few years on depression medication. It was hard for him to keep a job and things like that. But over like the next um, three months, then six months, about nine months, he started to just be, become more and more, uh, I guess you can say, experience, better experience in life. And he began working better. His, he started to get caught up on his mortgage and just different things were starting to fall into place for him, which was so awesome and encouraging. And he was actually um, um, going to the doctors that were reducing his medicine just because it, he didn't really need it as much when he uh, had been going through this for this whole time. Uh, long story short, as time goes on, he actually ends up takes a turn for the worse. We baptized him um, in the very beginning. And, um, you know, he, he comes to Christ um, and we're having Bible studies at his house. Uh, he was coming to church. Um, he was encouraged. He was telling people about Christ. Um, he's about in his mid fifties about then. And, um, but then he takes a turn for the worst and he starts to become more and more depressed. And all of a sudden, of course, stops working. And with that, you know, we would bring, uh, sometimes firewood to heat up the house cause he had a wood stove because the propane was so high, the gas bill, um, you know, groceries, um, you know, there's times you get caught up and then you fall behind again. And, he would never put his pain on you, though. He would never ask me for help. And, and I just remember, like, the fear and the worry. This is, you know, one of my members in my church, and I'm his pastor. And, and I'm just trying to encourage him and help him and uh, be there for him and walk alongside of him. And, and I remember sometimes going in the mornings to go work out um, because that would help. You know, I would encourage him. So we'd go work out in his house, and we had this little gym there that we'd work out in. And it would be super cold because, you know, he'd keep the, the gas real low or he'd have to build a fire. And... And then there was other times I'd, I'd be driving by his house and because I lived not too far and I'd just be praying like, I hope he's okay. And just, you know, a lot of, a lot of times of where I was really concerned and it was really hard. And, um, you know, um, there was one weekend where, you know, he just really wasn't doing well at all. And I could see it even to the point of where maybe he was starting to lose his mind. And so I asked him to join us. I think it was some kind of a Easter or Christmas. I don't remember what it was. And we were going out of town and I had him come with our family because I didn't trust that when I left that he would be okay. Um, you know, and that was difficult to see. That it was difficult to see his children see uh, their father going through this and, and how it was hurting them. And, and just so a lot of suffering there. And um, a little bit later, they changed the medicine. And I remember that weekend he called me up and I was going out of town again, something for work and me and my wife. And I just remember him just telling me that, man, I love you so much. And I just so thankful that, you know, God brought you in my life. And, you know, it's been, it's been so much better that way. And, and I'm going to start getting better. And I'm just, you know, I see a lot of things changing. And, and so maybe he would start to change, uh, take a change, you know, with this medication and just life itself at that point. But tragically, when I came back uh, that weekend, or before I came back, I got a phone call and he had actually taken his life. Um, I remember going to the funeral and I remember talking to his, his two young boys are like 14 and 15 years old and then dealing with his ex-wife and now the young men were going through a really tragic time. Their dad had just passed and, you know, that one led on to like, you know, from the beginning that I, I started ministering to, you know, two, three uh, years later, 
Um, you know, it was really, really difficult for the boys. There's times I get called to go to the hospital, just a lot of stuff that's going on, real personal. I don't want to get too descriptive on it, but it, it took a really big toll on me and it was just a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. Um, but, you know, it's those things like that, you know, that we look back and say, like, really, like you reach out to someone, they come to Christ, you know, you, you see good things happen, then you see the bad happen. And, and you don't see this happy fairy tale um, picture at the end and you're wondering, you know. Um, one thing I am rest assured is that he knew Christ, 100%. And, um, and I enjoyed that time I had with him. And I do look forward to seeing him again. Um, but I want to say this. I want to say, um, and I want to conclude with this. And again, it's another quote. From Jerry Bridges, it says, Our suffering has meaning and purpose in God's eternal plan. He brings or allows to come into our lives only that which is for his glory and our good. I will conclude with this last quote from Jerry Bridges. Our suffering has meaning and purpose in God's eternal plan. Our Suffering has meaning and purpose in God's eternal plan. Think about that for a moment. He brings or allows to come into our lives only that which is for his glory and for our good. See, he never brings which is for our bad. No, it's for our good. And only which is for his glory. And what does that say? That means that there is meaning and purpose with everything that we go through. What is the other teaching or idea out there that it's all random, that it's all chance, that that's just the way it is, or that God is disconnected somehow, or God does not exist? That brings no comfort to anyone and definitely to me. I take great comfort that every, every tear that I've shed, every pain, every sleepless night, right, Every time I felt the anxiety and the depression and just the, the horror of some deep, dark times, some scary, tragic events in life, that they're not just meaningless, but they're purposeful. Now, how do we know this is true? How do we know this is true? Because he already proved it with his very own son. God took his very own son. I would not give up my son, but he took his own son, his precious son. And his son experienced suffering and pain, so much suffering and pain that it was unto death. He just didn't experience the physical agony of, of the cross and of his beating, but he also experienced the vacancy of his father, his father turning his head from him. He also experienced the grossness of every human's sin on this earth. And he even became that sin. Now, this brought about not just some meaning and some purpose. It didn't bring about some meaning and some purpose, but the very meaning and purpose of this life. That's what this brought about. And that is the fruit of the gospel, which is an eternal right relationship with God Almighty that is based on his love for us, not our love for him. What does that mean? That means that it's based on 
Christ's death makes us come to a place to be right relationship with God forever. That's based on his love for us. That's the whole purpose and meaning of life. He gives us himself. He is life. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There's nothing more meaningful. There's nothing more to this life, more larger, more bigger than eternal right relationship with God. And in Revelation says that he will be our God and we will be his people. He will wipe every tear from our eye. Why does it say that? Because he's talking about an eternal unending relationship with God that is purely good and purely loving and all-powerful and all-knowing and knows what's best for us. There will be no more sufferings. It will be done away with. And all of our sufferings point to that meaning and that moment in time. And it points to Jesus and it points to this gospel, the gospel which is that he died for us. And he rose again that we would live in him forever. At the end of the day, God always wills what's best for us. I pray that this truth would help you and encourage you. And I pray that you would be able to share this with others to give them encouragement. I, hope, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would allow you to see, even through scriptures and even through your life, every day, his providence that he's holding all things together, right? That he is sustaining our life, that he is ruling over it all. I mean, just to be able to get up in the morning for our body to wake up and, and not cease to, to live anymore. For us to be able to uh, cognitively, cognitively be able to think, act and react, to be able to you know, brush our teeth for me to talk right now. All of this is all because God is ruling and reigning and holds it all together. And in every event, every second, every millisecond is all in God's sovereign will for his glory and for our good. God never wills anything but what's best for us. I don't know if you've ever believed that in your life. I don't know if you've ever come to 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 surrender or to, to open your mind that there is a God that is actually holy and righteous and that he is truly pure and truly good. I know those words are opposite from what we hear in social media and in our lives and what we've experienced growing up, but he is. And that brings us so much hope that the, the desire down deep in our hearts, which is for a pure and holy God, is true. And you can have a relationship with him. How does it happen? He gives you faith to believe that. If you believe that right now, if you believe in your heart, there is a holy God and that he does love you and that you can't get to him on your own merit and you can't get to him by what you're going to do for him and that you don't save yourself, but he saves you. And that your relationship that's going to be with him is not going to be based on your performance. It's not going to be based on you holding life together. It's not going to be based on you sustaining life together, sustaining life. It's not going to be based on you ruling and reigning, but it's on his sustainment. It's on his rule. It's on him holding everything together. So you can sit back and rest. He 
promises to give us rest. He promised to give us water, would never thirst again. He promised to give us food that would fill us eternally, forever. And that is his living word. I pray today that this encourages you, church. I pray that you'll share this with one another. I pray that you'll hold on to these truths and it will just continue to help you uh, be able to trust God when there's difficult times. All right, God bless you all. Hope to see you soon. Pastor Ronnie.